let's, uh, let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word and we're grateful for this very comfortable day. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Last night, um, we had some friends over for dinner, sat out in the backyard, had dinner. They went away. And they were going to come back after they put their kids to bed. This is Phil and Kate Carr. And they didn't come back, and they didn't come back. Meanwhile, we were waiting for them on the porch. And while we waited for them on the porch, people like the Whites showed up, and then uh, Brian Marr, and then Khan, and then, uh, you know, the place was packed when the guests showed back up, bringing two other guests. There was no room in the inn. We had 18 people on the front porch. Uh, so we had two different, tried to have one conversation, didn't work. So we ended up talking with the, the guests at one end. And in, the, in, the, in that circumstance, uh, uh, right around 11, I was trying to segue into my bed. And uh, so I started talking about sermon prep. And uh, Phil Carr mentioned Mark chapter 4 that he'd been reading recently and something he had gotten out of it. So we chatted about that for a while. So I was thinking about that when I got up this morning. And as I looked at, and he was talking about Jesus calming the waves, right? It's in three of the Gospels. A little bit different in each case. Uh, and he, you know, it's one of those situations where a short account, it's very, um, it feels substantive. And Phil had noticed something substantive about it and pointed that out. We'll, we'll, we'll address that. But as you look at it, you know, sort of collecting the Matthew account, the Mark account, the Luke account, and then you collect the contextual account, two of the Gospels that comes right after the parable of the sower. It always comes right before the casting out the many demons out of the legion in the Gadarene swine. Um, one of the great lines in P.G. Woodhouse, faster in the short sprint than the Gadarene swine. But you had to be biblical. And so as I, I, I sort of, you, you, you start picking up the, the synoptic repeats of the story, and you're reading the different way it's worded, the common way it's worded, the different context it sits in, and you try to go, okay, is there anything in the context that I should introduce to you when we look at this event. Now, the Mark account was what I started with, and there was uh, basically, I'm going to go back a little bit in time in the Mark chapter, go through a few of the quick parables Christ gives, and then you land in the calming of the waves. With a slight stepping aside into Matthew for the same bit uh, of, with a little extra information. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a bushel or under a bed, not on a stand? For there is nothing hid except to be made manifest, 
nor is anything secret except to come to light. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. They're wondering if there's sound, John. Is there? Okay. And he said to them, verse 24, Take heed what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given you. For to him who has will more be given, and from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed upon the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should sprout and grow. He knows not how. The earth produces of itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Now that's the preface in Mark. Uh, you can recognize it from the, the uh, um, other accounts where you come out of the parable of the sower that whom has will be more be given. That anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. But as you, you walk through this, he comes right in. On verse 35, it says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Okay? So physically, phenomenally, geographically, um, he's been teaching this rich, high-octane spiritual stuff to many disciples, many people following after him. And he's down by the sea, and he's going to go, hey, let's go across to the other side. Now, something that you notice about hidden things is the reason, you might say, the power of hidden things. But it's back to the first parable, the lamp, something secret's going to come to light. We're enjoined to be listening for it. If you have ears to hear, let them hear. But what happens with hidden things? I was watching some magic tricks on, on YouTube. Uh, various magicians. I enjoy watching sleight of hand. Now, a sleight of hand, uh, one guy was doing high resolution, high speed, really slow sleight of hand. So he could watch how his hands manipulated the card. That was... And he was just embarrassed how, how clumsy it looked. In the instant, at the 24 frames a second, it looked like the dang thing just disappeared. But when you slowed it way down, he's you know, being folded over and all sorts of things like that. Well, what is sleight of hand? Is to 
you have misdirection, you have all sorts of things that go on. In the secret things of God, the lamp, the hidden, the secret thing that is going to be brought to light, one of the basic things is the tension that the loudness of our lives, the loudness of our concerns, um, gets in the way. It's hard to listen to the Christ. It's hard to listen to the apostles. It's hard to listen to the Spirit of God in you when you got to make a living. And you got to put up with this nonsense these hippies are doing in Portland. Whatever it is, we have importances, and the secret things of God are hidden to us because something is so cacophonously loud in our presence. We should be listening for it. If you have ears to hear, let them hear. And then he says in 24, take heed what you hear. First off, you got to decide if you are someone who can hear. Have you ever been in a conversation, well, I've been in a lot of large conversations, where I know that there's a large conversation, but somebody middle distance away is having a separate conversation that sounds very interesting to me. And my ear, I try to radar it in, you know, kind of pick up just that wavelength of those voices so I can know what's being said. You've probably done it yourself. Take heed to what you hear. You must hear. You should hear. The secret things are to be brought out. Um, and the reason you should take heed to what you hear is the measure you give will be the measure you get. You should be listening. You should be attending to what you listen. Because the benefits of the things, the hidden things of God, are going to come to you if you do, which means that you're going to be slowly pressing aside these, you might say, loud importances that you have made part of your life. We don't, we're like children in regard to that. We, we can't stand the loud importances of all things delivered to us in a commercial or a political ad or a, or a, a crisis, a protest, a, a riot, a demand, whatever it is, uh, whether it's the demand of your landlord or a demand of the you know, city planner. If it's demand of the wife, if it's a demand of the husband, if it's a demand of the kids, or the demand of the school that your kids go to, whatever it is, these people want to run into your life and take the knobs and turn them up to 11 on all the importances that we think are important. But there's something else going on. The reason I'm, I'm, I'm stressing this is there's something else going on. with Christ's teaching here. And I think that we kind of need to be reminded. And it's not just, I, you know, when Daniel was reading the psalm, and uh, we're encouraged to think of our own circumstances in regard to it, things that we are under things that become importances to us. And it's going to be a variety. Somebody, somebody cannot get the fate of the nation off their mind 
other women cannot imagine the domestic demands put on them being any more important than, being less important than anything else in the world. The UN can go to red haze, you know, red flame for all they care, but their living room and the needs of this event. I have here on the side from Luke 10, the bit about Martha and Mary. You all know it. Mary and Martha, Mary, the loud importance in her mind of being a good hostess. Thank you very much. And really, Mary should have the same opinion, thought Martha to herself, about being a good hostess. Because I'm in here sweating in the kitchen, washing everything up. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. I can't believe she's doing that. And the Lord says to her in verse 41, the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. Can you imagine this actually being said? Because this is really impolite. You know, you're in there in the kitchen serving everybody, but you know, kind of, what's more important? Listening to me. And your sister's doing that. Mary has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. So back off. <laughs> but what happens? We've got things that we think are important. The righteousness of the nation's laws. The righteousness of a domestic housewife. Because, right, I'm a, I'm a big boy. My wife's a very domestic housewife. And a lot in Christianity, a lot of books are written. First about being a domestic housewife, and then books against being a domestic housewife. Everybody's, everybody is dying on various hills. The taxation system, the freedoms, constitutionality in Christ. Those, yeah, those are all topics. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Yes, I realize that. You know, but she's listening to me. Not she is sunbathing in the backyard. She's listening to me. So when we realize something is secret and hidden, it's going to become manifest. It's going to grow. It's going to... Um, and it, it's all a matter of whether I hear this, whether I spot it, whether I'm going to uh, earn the measure I get. Whatever. If you're hoping for the kingdom of God in you in such a way that your grandchildren will rise up and call you the blessed because you've led the family into righteousness. If you want that, you got to pick the right secret. And the right secret probably isn't the domestic Christian housewife. The right secret is probably not the Christian influence of the political system. Those exist. Those are meaningful. But they are not. They're the loud importances to us. But they're not Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. So the measure you give will be the measure you get. Take heed what you hear. Because it's going to grow. And with loud importance is already front-loaded into our lives because we might be already conservative or liberal, whatever it is your position is, you might already be a good housewife. And so 
the temptation is to read the Christian life back into things that will all bring up other people into the loud importance of yours. Where all the women, all the Marys will go back to some sort of communist re-education camp so that you can make them good domestic housewives. Now you say, Evan, are you saying they shouldn't be? No, they should be. Tells them to be in the Bible. But that's not the importance. The secret to the Christian life is not winning some culture war regarding what kind of flower print dresses the women wear and how much, uh, you know, apple tartlets they make. I guess that's a thing. Is that a thing? Tartlets? Small tarts? I've seen things. I've seen things. I've been into the kitchen. And what ends up growing is either some mockery of the importance of the kingdom of God because you took your loud importance, you tried to make it a secret again so you could bring it back up so everybody will get on board with your view politically, your view domestically, whatever it is. I'm not going to use those as, as there's a lot more than just politics and domestic things. Then the seed that grows might not be the right thing. You're very anxious about many things. But, and we know that it doesn't look good, by your measure, what Mary's doing. What's going to happen is if you take your loud importances and you make them the secret of the kingdom of heaven and then have them grow up in your ministry or your life, you'll get them as a large shrubbery in your life, and you better hope it was the mustard seed, the thing that the Lord is talking about, that the thing that got big was not some big Christian movement grasping after political success or grasping after um, 1950s housewives and homes where kids respected dad and said, sir, if that's your end goal, that's your shrubbery, something's, something's not right. On that day, verse 35, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Now, I switched over to Matthew here because there's a little scene that happens right there. Verse 18 of chapter 8 of Matthew. Now, when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. That's how you know you're in the same place. And a scribe came up to him and said to him, this is a young theologically-minded fan, said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. I was like that. He said, follow me, 
and they followed. One said he would follow. Jesus said the other, follow me. And on, and on two fronts, something is going on here. Uh, the scribe views Christ as important. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And he says, do you know how small I am? Do you know I'm nobody? I'm nothing. I don't have a home. I have no place to lay my head. And in another, he says, I am so important that you wouldn't show up at your father's funeral. Okay? I am that important. I am so important you could ignore Martha sweating in the kitchen. But I don't have any place to lay my head. These, these, these loud importance that we can't imagine, we run into Jesus at certain points he's going, if you don't hate your mom and dad, don't even think about following me. Yeah, what? Temples, nothing, I'll tear that down. Rebuild it in three days. I got, you got nothing on what I am about. We feel disjointed by being introduced to the secret that is Jesus Christ. He is walking through Palestine as an unimportant Jew, slowly becoming important as it is revealed who he is. But he keeps pointing to this quality of his ministry. And I liked it when I looked at the Matthew account and then back at the Mark account. I said, I have nowhere to lay my head in the next paragraph moment. He's asleep on a cushion in the back of the boat. He takes an opportunity to lie down on the bus and catch some Z's. He's got no place to go. He he's, doesn't have a home. It's not that he didn't, wasn't allowed to sleep or he couldn't make himself comfortable if he tried. He did. <coughs> he found it. But I, I noted that. He said he had nowhere to lay his head gets on the boat, and while they're sailing, he finds a place to get a power nap in. Leaving the crowd. Now, this is a, in verse 36 of Mark, after we get back out of the Matthew. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat. Phrase, just as he was. What do you mean, just as he was? Without a toothbrush? What, I mean, what, he didn't have no luggage? Is that what they mean? Just as he was? Whatever it meant, I have no idea what Mark was meaning. Just as he was, but it's drawing my attention to this secret. All of these disciples... In the, in the Matthew account, the, the disciples followed him. And it's not the disciples you're thinking of necessarily. They're included, but it's broader. There's this scribe and there's this other guy, another of the disciples. And in this passage, in Mark passage, it says, and other boats were with him. So a small flotilla, an armada of 
disciples of Jesus Christ had lifted off, had followed him into the sea. Just as he was. Now they've been listening to his teaching. They've been amazed at his miracles. People are, are really drawn to all sorts of things. And each person with their separate loud, you know, importances that are loud to them are having to adjust themselves to who this guy is. Just as he was. And a great storm of wind arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Must have been really tired. I mean, he'd been putting out, I don't know if you ever, yesterday was a long day of talking. Uh, London came by and uh, I'd given her some reading assignments and, and so she came by at 1.15, I think, and we talked for three hours straight. Black Kenny had shown up and he was there, not saying much, but it didn't keep me from saying much. And then we had some guests for dinner and then they came back and then 18 people on our porch and it was a big conversation. That can tire you out. Jesus is doing far more than that, far more important things he was saying. So he's, he's worn out, pulled through a, a keyhole, Sleep on the cushion, the ship's going down. So, if here, if nowhere else, you would think. I mean, Martha, little out of line. She's a little complainy wifey in the, room, in the kitchen, too many dishes stacked up. Mary could, you know, make the chore go twice as fast if she were in here. And so you have, you look at that. Yeah, she could, Martha, but you know. Spiritual things are more important. Not more important than my life if I'm going down in a sinking boat, because then I'm going to be um, naturally, something Phil said, is going to be naturally, naturally afraid. You bet. Naturally afraid. What Phil pointed out to me last night was, was uh, that Christ had said, let us go to the other side. Christ had plans to get to the other side. All these disciples thought he was just a guy talking at the level that any rabbi would talk, and so if he had plans to get to the other side and he was just a rabbi, it didn't matter if a storm came up and he would sink to the bottom. We all have to die sometime. They were not measuring Christ. They were not hearing who they needed to hear. They were not attending to the actual importance, the small seed without a place to lay his head, who was Lord of all. They woke him because it was only natural, only natural that uh, he be awakened because this is a real loud importance. It should concern him too because we're all concerned. I mean, look, look at Martha, what she said back there in the passage in Luke. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. They woke him and said, teacher, do you not care if we perish? 
you got a different loud, uh, you know, importance in your life. Responsible men realize this could endanger the actual, my actual life. Uh, it's not domestic. And I know politics are, you know, sort of out of my range league. They're not my importance. But you realize my car engine or my body, the health I am undergoing. Safety. We each have them. We're designing our own little kingdom. It's not the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of Evan or the kingdom of whoever, whoever you are. And it's run by all your importances. And it depends on how loud they are. And you can always put a Jesus name on the front of your importance where you went back and retooled it so it looked Christian. You may even found that it was Christian. But I want to remind you that even though you found that a, you know, praying for your nation, which we did, desiring to serve your family, which a good Christian domestic housewife would do, someone who cared for the lives of others, yes, that would be good as well, is set back on its heels by something else. Something else is the secret. Don't you care that we perish? Aren't you part of this... Uh, Drama? Does ever bother you? I don't know how many of you are drama queens. I, there aren't many people here, so there might be not many of you. But say one of you is. I'll try not to let my gaze land on anybody. And, you're, and you're, you kind of really are talking up a circumstance because it's your, you, you like the drama. It's a kind of a crisis scene in your life. And all of your supporting actors, all the people that you've worked into your narrative, are supposed to go, oh, horrors because they're supposed to be as dramatic as you are. And understand the, the wonder of the drama. The Lord does not cooperate because he's holding separate secrets. Do you not care if we perish? And he awoke. I don't know if you ever picture yourself as Jesus. Martha coming at you. Tell her to come into the kitchen and help. And the Lord's going, what fresh hell is this? Women fighting over dishes. You had woken out of a dead sleep on a cushion because you have no place to go, and at least there's a cushion in the back of the boat. It's not just wood. It's a cushion. He's getting some sleep. And yes, it's a storm, but I'm getting some sleep. And they woke him up. He woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. I almost feel like there was a broader audience for that command. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he looks at them. He said to them, verse 40, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Now, of course they're not afraid now that the sea is calm and there's no wind. So why were you afraid? Why did you wake me up? Didn't you think, who do you think I am? And that's kind of what I'm getting at in the roundabout way. Through all these parables, the things hidden, the measure we give, what we're listening for. I'm not listening for good doctrine. I'm not listening for good social patterns. Those happen later on. 
I need to be aware and become aware of who he is. Who is that sleeping in the back of the boat? It looks like a Jew, but he's the living God. And they were filled with awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? If we really knew, this is the answer to an awful lot of what we face in life, the crisis of, you know, my prayers not being answered or, or you know, a friend like Tammy with cancer. You know, what, what could we do? It's so knowing that, you know, that it comes to all of us, we will all be dead. And the world around you will view that as a loud importance. Get there with a better sense of things. Where it's not your death, your money, the country's circumstance. And well, they can be important. You care about many needful things, but this is the good part. I am the good part. Not my doctrines, not my storyline, not my mythology, me. Just as he is, just, just as he was, the boat picks him up and the maker of heaven and earth, we covered that out of Colossians a couple of weeks ago. Everything was made for him, through him, by him. All things. And he's stepping into a boat just needing a nap. You need to meet him. You need to think that your religion has found its God. Not in a definition of what a God is for Christians, but in Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the incarnation. That's why the atonement happened. That's why you're able to not be damned to Hades, even the good side of Hades for the rest of days. Because you answered the question, who then is this? Who, who is this? And the question, how you answer it, remember, the measure you give will be the measure you get. What seed you plant will be the seed that grows. What you picked up will be manifest. Did you listen to the church's doctrine about Jesus Christ? Because some people, that's the loud importance. Or did you listen to Jesus Christ? Did you realize that not only did you find out about a guy who lived a long time ago and you had no chance to meet him personally, that your faith is claiming that, yes, no, you have met him personally. You're not a Sadducee. You think that there's life after death. And his life proved, raised from the dead, for you to believe in and encounter uh, London was reading the essay by Lewis called On Obstinacy and Belief. It's a good essay if you get a chance to read it. But he gets to the end of this essay, and he, uh, 
basically says, we have come to know God, or rather, we have come to know this God. This, it's not, and the thisness, not a definition, not a theological thing. If you make theology out of it, God bless you, you might have other personal problems. If you think that is everything that is Christian is somehow a guide to our political theory, you might have a problem. If you think it is all there to bring order to your family unit, you might have a problem. And it's not that it doesn't do those things, but he is someone else. He is the seed. He is the thing to hear. <clears throat> and don't let the loud importances that may be, you might have a really good argument that the loud importance is, should be that important. If the Lord says it's that important, you can make it that important. But you have to know Jesus Christ himself. And believe, and having known him himself, there are things he says. We were talking about it last night in the, on the porch. Um, Allie brought up... Uh, how liberals will argue that Jesus Christ would probably be a socialist. Is that, is that right? Yeah, only the Jesus Christ that you get from not reading the scriptures. The problem is not only will you not be a socialist when you're done, you probably won't be anything because Jesus says some things. He just says some things that only the God of gods can say and only you, because you have bowed the knee to him as a person, will accept because you're not trying to fit into the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. You're trying to fit the kingdom of God. Don't let the loud importances sway you. Some of them will be similar to Christianity. God bless them. Some of them will be good for our nation. God bless them. But we're about Jesus Christ and finding him. The measure you get, give to be the measure you get. Let's be about it. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, Thank you for your son and for this life. We'd ask that we would be given to following him above all things, above all importances in our lives, above the housework, above our death. Thank you for being that valuable. In your son's name we pray. Amen.